Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another episode of the Andrew Fast Podcast. This episode is brought to you by Skyrun. If you need any mountain running equipment, be sure to check them out. Skyrun.schemo.co. They have everything you need and they're awesome and they get out there often. So uh, play, pay, pay them a visit if, uh, if you have any mountain running needs. Um, without further ado, I am very excited about tonight's guest. Uh, I've, I've off and on growing up, spent a fair bit of time up in Alaska and in uh, 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 more of my adulthood learned of Mount Marathon and, and went and, and witnessed Mount Marathon. And uh, it, was, it was a year that the record fell and the energy behind this race and the uh, 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 reckless abandon and athleticism that goes on at Mount Marathon is unlike anything I have ever seen, definitely in the lower 48. And uh, uh, it's, it's definitely a sight to behold. Um, tonight's guest is the 2016, 2018, and 2021 Mount Marathon champion. Um, which is, it's basically the Alaska Mountain Running World Championships, uh, and this is a hearty uh, bunch of folks. Um, tonight's guest is also uh, uh, a very well-accomplished uh, uh, Nordic skier, and so tonight I would like to welcome David Norris. Uh, David, how are you doing, man? Great. Thanks for having me. Yeah, welcome to the show. Did, uh, did you, uh, was today an on day or an off day as far as training goes? Did you get some, did you get out today? Yeah, it was an on day. I roller skied this morning, did some threshold intervals, and then ran before our conversation. Gotcha. And are yeah. you up in uh, Are you up in Alaska now, or? Yeah, I'm in Anchorage. Okay. Um, kind of splitting my time between Albuquerque and Anchorage during the summer. Okay. Um, I, yeah. I, I had uh, I thought you said something recently about uh, Durango um and being down there for a rotation that, that jessica was doing what what type of rotation is that and is, is that why you're in albuquerque or is that purely sport yeah yeah exactly yeah she's in physical therapy school out of unm oh and uh and now she's starting rotations so she did a six-week rotation in durango so i made basically a six-week training camp in durango Right on. Yeah. What did you what yeah. did you think of Durango? You know, I've I've flirted with the idea because I mean the San Juan Mountains, I mean it's it's kind of as good as it gets. I mean, like Silverton and and that that zone between there and Uray and uh, yeah. You, you did a block did you do a block of training down there while she was in rotation? Yeah, yeah. I trained like I basically had no distraction other than training and doing some part-time work. So I did a massive training block there and uh yeah i totally dig durango yeah it's kind of like uh i mean it's like the quieter colorado and yeah. i thought it kind of had like the sweet trails and stuff like similar to the southwest like that i was used to from albuquerque but then you had all the river and water yeah so i was pretty stoked on it yeah um yeah. Like, i really didn't mind hot afternoons because you just choose a trailhead that was near you know like a river or creek and then kind of suffer through whatever the heat was knowing that there's cold drink and water at the bar so yeah, yeah i had a sweet sweet block there yeah that's sweet and it sounds like yeah there's I've, i haven't been there but i've heard there's a river running right through town so it sounds like there's quite a few drainages you can do a nice cold soak after you get done with your session yeah exactly dig it um 
Well, I, 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 we, there's a lot that I want to talk about because I, I think you have a, a just a lot, a, a, a lot to offer here in this conversation. But um, I do want to start with that marathon. Um, you know, and it's hard to explain this race, and so I, I. I'm going to put that on you a little bit because I'll tell you what I, I, I and we were just chatting offline here. I, I went up there in 2013 or something to do it, an article for trail runner. And I, people were coming down the, the, the drainage section and, and jumping down these little band cliffs. And like, I just never seen mountain running in that capacity with like that much right. in athleticism. And uh, I don't even know how to explain it. So, I mean, how, what does it mean what does the race mean to you and how would you explain it to somebody who is trying to wrap their head around you know what is it yeah it's not marathon <laughs> i mean it was it's only a 5k but uh i mean 30 minutes are uphill and 10 minutes are downhill and uh it's kind of sweet because there's there's no one trail there's i mean everybody kind of goes the same way because it's the best route but it's pick your own adventure. And then, uh, yeah, like, like where that drainage you're talking about, there's like a nice trail going into it. And then once you're in the drainage, you're basically just following like a very, um, gradual waterfall, you know, like, like, it's not really like people usually say, just choose where the water flows. Cause that's like the path of least resistance, you know, like, so if you don't see a good line, just go where the water's going. Um, <laughs> which is totally unique. Cause yeah, like yeah, there's, there's not really a trail through there. And, um, yeah, I mean the race to me, I, I guess, like I grew up in Fairbanks where there's not really a mountain running scene and there's a good Equinox marathon. So that's like the big trail race that I grew up kind of like, you know, that, that was like my running heroes were racing that like Matias and, uh, those guys. And, and then, kind of in high school I went to Mount Marathon to watch it and uh and then the year that Ricky and Killian came and raced it I watched it on TV and that kind of was like all of a sudden I was like oh I kind of want to do this race <laughs> and then since then you know like it takes racing it to realize how how big it is in the community and kind of the family that it's like the Mount Marathon family and so now it's when you race it, it's just like a serious race but also just like a chance to chill and hang out with like super rad people you know yeah and around the fourth of july party and all that so yeah yeah but you, kinda... yeah so you but you watched it on you, you kind of like viewed it from afar it sounds like and, and yeah yeah the year like killian race i think that was the year they the first year they really did a good live stream of it with like helicopter footage and a few cameras positioned. And I had a, I'm pretty sure I had a glacier camp right after 4th of July. So um, I just stayed in Anchorage and was doing my training. And I remember a few of us from the APU group, we, we did like a morning roller ski such that we would be back to the house and like, you know, made lunch and sat in front of the TV and watched that race. You know, I, I call it the world championships because I mean, that's what like in, in the world of triathlon, that's what people do for Kona. You know, like, they're like getting, getting around the TV. If you live in the Northern hemisphere and it's cold and you're like doing a trainer yeah. and you're watching Kona. And so it's, it's pretty, uh, yeah, that's awesome on a couple levels, you know, that you saw it and then that you turned up and got into the race. And then what was the experience in 2016? when you, when you raced, uh, kind of your first go, um, I guess, in other words, like your first go at it, uh, 
you know, how did, yeah. that, how did that unfold? <laughs> well, I mean, it, it turns out my first attempt was my fastest so far. And, um, I, I mean, um, I really just didn't know what to expect going into it. And there was um, Nick Elson from Canada and then Ricky racing. And then my teammates got Patterson. So I kind of knew those are probably the, the toughest competition out of those, out of the field. And um, I don't know, I, my strategy was kind of like hammer the uphill so that I hopefully don't have to kill myself on the downhill. And, uh, and then there's like the cliff at the base of the mountain that you about four minutes into the race or five minutes into the race, you go up and you're scrambling with your hands on the rocks. I remember being like, well, I should probably lead into there because if I'm slower than people, I'll just be in their way and hold them up. And if people are slower than me, they won't be in my way and maybe I'll get a gap. So I just kind of surged to get in the front there and then led from there on. And uh, I just felt awesome that day. So <laughs> it was kind of one of those days where like, yeah, going hard felt good. Yeah. And then, uh, yeah, like 2018, I had to, I suffered way worse to run a slower time. Interesting. <laughs> yeah, it was just like a hard day. <laughs> yeah, and why? And there's probably a lot of factors that go into that. Was it external or internal? Um, probably. I mean, it was hot. Yeah, it was really hot that day, and and then uh, probably I was racing Max King, and uh, some some people like like Eric Strabel kind of was just like. If I were you, I just kind of pin it when I, when you hit the steep stuff and I went really hard when I hit the steep. And I, I think I, I mean, I think Max and I both paid for that early effort, uh -huh. but, um, but I was at least able to hang on to the gap I made, but because of that, like, I don't think I ever recovered from that initial surge. So I just kind of like was just flooded you yeah. know for the next 25 minutes on the climb yeah, yeah. it's crazy yeah. max isn't very tall but he's very intimidating <laughs> oh yeah yeah he's built dude <laughs> <laughs> and then came back uh this year uh what how did it go down this year i mean it was i i, I it's hard for me to paint the picture you know you're coming out of this very strange time and in and in, in a global sense of racing you know things have been a bit wonky people are coming out of the woodwork um how was the celebration how was the race vibe <laughs> How'd it go? yeah oh man that was that was sweet i think uh everybody was really stoked to like have a head-to-head -head race and get to party no no strava whatever <laughs> like for you know covid safe kind of race uh stuff so yeah. that was sweet and uh and matthias you know he was last year was going to be his first year as race director and so this year he finally got to kick it off and he crushed it. So that was really cool to see. And I, I think a lot of us were just like really proud of Matias and yeah. that was sick. And, and the race was just like, I mean, actually for me, it was a totally new experience to race it super muddy and slimy. Oh. Like, like there was points where like I had, I kind of had a little gap on my, my, one of my ski training friends and, maybe like 15 seconds ahead of him. And I took like five bad steps and he basically like was back on me. Oh shoot. And, uh, and then I think, you know, the same thing was happening to him. He was sliding around and I'd get a little bit of ground on him. Uh, but then later on the mountain, it becomes more shale and rock. And so then the moisture didn't 
like affect the, I think it actually ran really well the rest of the mountain, but there's just like 10 minutes in the trees where it's really muddy. Yeah. Um, on a wet day. So that was kind of now, now I feel like I've kind of seen, seen it all maybe, or like at least most yeah. of the conditions that you would see on Mount Marathon. Yeah. Um, so. What does what that pitch, you know, so it starts out on the road and you mentioned getting the whole shot to get on the cliff band so that you kind of like, you know, get uh, not stop traffic, but you control tempo a little bit. Um, but then you get in that foresty section. Um, how long, how long is the road section about? And then how long is that, that tree line muddy section that you're talking about? In, I guess maybe, say, maybe in minutes because it's right. a lot of vertical relief going on. Yeah. I think the road's like three to four minutes and then the, then you hit like, then you hit steep. It's, you know, between running and hiking terrain. And then that's another uh, like 15 to, or yeah. 13 to 15 minutes in the trees where it's it's like clay and roots um and it's in the trees there's never a breeze so it's super muggy and hot you know like even if it's 55 degrees you're just cooking in there yeah. and then uh then you break out uh above tree line and then you're running in like kind of a there's like tons of different options taking switchbacks or straight up lines and uh and that's more like rock and shale and, you know, some great footing and then some spots where you just kind of like your foot kind of slides out. Um, and then that would be like another 15 to 16 minutes at like, at like record pace, I guess. I don't know. Yeah. Like yeah. that it ranges, you know, everything from a couple hours to, to the 41 minute time, I guess. So. Yeah. Yeah. And it's in that shale that the, the when I visualize it, the you get on the shale stuff up top and then you're descending on it. Um, and then there's sometimes snow and there's sometimes not snow and, and the shale looks like you can almost boot ski it. But it's hard for me to, you know, as like as a just an observer, like uh, the downhill section, you know, you round that corner, your legs are loaded. You've just gone up. What is it? It's a V. Is it a VK? How, how much vert is it? Yeah, it's like 3000 feet. And then, you, and then you flip it and you're heading down that shale and it's uh i mean what's the <laughs> yeah well and, and luckily there's the down route is different than the up route um so like people i've i had a friend that tried to hike mount marathon and they accidentally started hiking up the up or the down trail yeah and so that's like like hiking in sand kind of it's like you know three steps forward two back and yeah. uh so at least the downhill is soft and uh, pretty good footing overall. Um, but yeah, rounding the top and coming coming into the steep descent, it's kind of like I don't know. It's crazy. Like I get I catch my breath back really quick, but about you know about like four minutes into the downhill, then it's like my quads are kind of feeling heavy, like like different than they ever felt on the uphill. Yeah. And then, uh, and then like eight minutes into the downhill, my quads are usually hurting. And then I finally get back to the road and I feel like I can't even run Yeah, because my legs, my legs are just like jello. So I'm, yeah. Yeah. I'm just I'll doing put, my best. And I'll put, and I'll, and I'll, 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 um, 
I'll somehow put a video of this river section because basically what you're describing is like you hit that, you hit these little cliff bands, follow the water line type thing that you described. And that's when your legs are crazy loaded, right? It's like yeah. <clears throat> taps up quads down, you know, you're working your quads on the way down really hard. And then you hit this cliff band section and you're like, literally people are just like uh, controlled fall through this. <laughs> <drip> yeah. <line. laughs> oh yeah. I've seen some, some incredible descents through there that I'm just like, I'm amazed if people don't kill themselves. I know. I know. It's totally, <laughs> it's totally mine. That I've never seen. I mean, I was just jaw dropped by it. I just, uh, and, yeah. and that was the year. I mean, Matias was racing that year and, uh, uh, he's so dang strong. I think he went third or fourth and, uh, um, I mean, yeah. what, what a, what a great, uh, uh, steward to to carry that race forward i mean i i just uh man i think the world of that guy i just i just think yeah. he's, he's like the perfect person to uh uh continue the tradition of that race so it's pretty cool. yeah pretty pretty cool well, that it went off this year yeah and i i mean i think that's kind of what's so cool about the race too is like you have like matthias and eric strabel that are just like mount marathon legends and when I first started racing, they, they told me every, every tip that I asked for. And, you know, they're, they're like an open book. So nobody was keeping secrets. They were just like, yeah, dude, like, let's see how fast you can go. Kind of like full, full support. So it was pretty cool. Yeah. Um, Yeah. Yeah. Great guys. Yeah, no doubt. I don't, I don't know Eric, but, uh, he was running with Ricky that year and, uh, you know, you Nordic folks, there's, there's something about the fifth gear, sixth gear and like watching Eric run down Ricky is, uh, pretty impressive. Um, you know, you're, you're obviously a very talented runner. Um, but let's talk about skiing a little bit. Uh, you know, I, I, I don't, again, I, I know my limitations as far as, um, uh, where do people rank in the skiing world? But I mean, you're, you, you were named, uh, 2019, <coughs> u.s national champion in nordic um and your help help me understand your nordic uh background where did it begin for you and kind of what's been that pathway and 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 where are we headed yeah um well i I grew up in fairbanks and my older siblings nordic skied so i just copied them like they mountain biked i mountain biked i just did whatever they were doing for sports and uh I kept it simple for my parents that way got all the hand-me-downs <laughs> and uh and then you know my sister kind of took Nordic skiing the furthest of all my older siblings and I kind of just aspired to copy her by going to like junior nationals and and then skiing in college so I skied two years at UAF and then three years at Montana State and uh then from there, came back to Anchorage and started working on a master's degree in skiing for APU. And, uh, and then, like, the progression's kind of been, you know, like, trying to win or get, get my best results at junior nationals and then trying to perform at NCAAs and, and then earning spots on World Cup and, uh, and then eventually, like, making world championship teams. And, and then this winter, trying to qualify for the Olympics um yeah so so basically my my whole focus this summer is preparing for olympics and um giving myself the best shot at that um so (laughs) and and running just kind of fits into that training really well so yeah 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 
Yeah, absolutely. Um, and, and, and in order to represent our country on an Olympic Nordic team, uh, what is what is required there? How does what does that look like? Um, <clears throat> yeah, well, they said they're going to select six guys and that will cover the sprint team and the distance team. So like a total of six and uh, like we'll be racing early season world cups. And if you can rank in the top 50, I believe for world cup standings, that should give you a pretty good chance of getting selected. Um, but kind of, you, I don't know. I feel like I never know how they're really going to pick teams. Yeah. So <laughs> hopefully, I mean, if you're just racing super well, then you know everything kind of works out for you so if if you're if you're kind of off the mark then it becomes a little dicey on like how the coaches are actually going to pick teams i i feel like yeah yeah so i was like there's a little bit of gray there and 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 this is a a bit of a tangent but it's to the tune of i i talk about performance a lot like as a physio and 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 with athletes i'm guiding and whatnot and it's it's uh man, it's tricky. It's a very, uh, you know, it's a, it's a, it's an industry that eats the young. And so it's like, like you say, when it's going well, uh, you know, you're not thinking about it. And when it's not going well, golly, you're wrapping your head around left, right, and center, trying to figure out like what I can do to, to, to make it happen. But it sounds like there's, um, there's not necessarily a clear cut, uh, uh, recipe there, but so, so the, 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 uh, the 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 push to get on the olympic team that that's not yet been decided is that is that right yeah no i think they'll probably select the team like sometime in february okay gotcha yeah and i mean if you're if you're just having killer results you know in december january you even before they select you could probably know what's up you know yeah Um, yeah yeah. but, but official announcements will probably be in february Gotcha. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure it's published, but I just, <laughs> I don't know. I try to focus more on training and not stressing about that. Oh man, let's. I'm gonna, yeah. I'm gonna, I'm gonna poke the line a little bit on that. I mean, how, how do you? Uh, it's hot. It's, I mean, you pour yourself, and this is my fascination with Olympic athletes, right? Is like, these are, these are. I mean, you, you are. I put, I put you in this group of people where, like, you're pouring yourself into training and racing and performing at the very highest level. Um, Mm -hmm. and the psychology of that's really tricky. I mean, the psychology of like, man, just performing at your best and focusing on the work and, and just focusing on the joy and the, and the, and not on the result per se, but, um, yeah. How do you, how do you, how are you kind of friend front of mind? Like, I mean, how you frame it? How do you, how do you frame this time of the year? Cause you're probably in the meat of your base phase training at this point, are you? Yeah. Um, Man, I mean, uh, for some reason, I, I'm really stoked that going this way, but this whole spring and early part of summer, I've been just like really stoked to train. Like it, yeah. it hasn't been a, a chore to get out the door. So that's been really good, like mentally. And I, I think part of that's just when training's going well and you're injury free, it's, it's easy to just carry that positive vibe. Yeah. Um, like like if I was injured and dealing with cross training and all sorts of things, then, uh, it's a whole different battle, but, um, yeah, I mean, I'm kind of just trying to do <clears throat> like 
like my coach kind of was like, let's not try to don't think about like improving like a million different ways and trying to get like 4% better at like 10 different things. It's like really um, like a kind of, kind of gotten to the level where like, if I can just get a few things improved, it will be like it could possibly a, hopefully a good jump, you know, yeah. like, you know, I guess a lot of my improvement is not just linear. It's, you know, you kind of make those jumps as you go. And uh, I'm just kind of trying to build on last year and, and then make a few changes where I know uh, that I've just like, especially in world cup, I just like, there's certain points and courses where I'm like, man, I always struggle in this spot. And so like, I, like early in the year, I put in quite a big emphasis to double pull a ton and lift, lift more weights just to see if I could get that base of like upper body strength to see if I could get a little more power and maybe it'll float in the pack on those like higher speed double pull sections. Yeah. Cause, uh, yeah, that's always been a challenge for me. So how do you, how do you identify that <clears throat> as a challenge? Is that just because it feels hard in the moment when you're racing or is it because you're dropping off the back of the pack or like, I mean, how do you know that's a, a limiter? Um, yeah, because of mass starts mainly like in an individual start, I think it's not so much of a limiter cause I can just, I can like work a steady pace through the whole course, but, uh, and those mass starts will be like accelerations. And I feel like if there's just a bazillion cell accelerations by the end of a race, I'll be like pretty shot from that. Cause I think they, they take a bigger toll out of me where uh, maybe some of the stronger guys, you know, it's just a few hard strokes and then they're kind of on step and they're yeah. just floating Yeah, yeah. where I'm, I'm kind of like, yeah, fighting it. So yeah. yeah. Um, a lot of it's just like, trying to get comfortable moving faster because uh i don't know if that's necessarily just boosting fitness like sometimes you know it's just economy part of it you know like yeah getting comfortable running fast or skiing fast yeah um so yeah just just making some little changes like that and then uh i don't know just trying to build on build on the last few summers and then like add some extra stimulus like not just fall into the rut of like like I can like I found myself I can train pretty comfortably like 25 hours a week every week and if if it's just kind of the same I don't really feel a need for a recovery week and uh so I'm trying to throw in some extra workouts that actually would like create the stimulus that would also demand some some recovery so um, is that driven by volume or intensity uh both um, some Fair. some weeks some weeks i'm Fair pushing enough. the volume and some weeks i'm adding like an ex extra set of intensity workouts in there and you, I'm always, I'm always, uh, uh, a minute ago, you met, you mentioned strength training to get, you know, those, those surges will happen and, uh, uh, it will get uncomfortable maybe, you know, for you. And, and, and there might be some other folks in the pack where it's like, what, you know, what the hell these guys are, these, yeah. these guys are able to like, uh, you know, uh, absorb that dump and, uh, of, 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 you know, into the legs and they just like can cycle right through it. Um, uh, 
but yeah, I'm taking, I'm taking care of this Nordic collegiate Nordic skier right now. And we have this argument about muscle endurance and strength training. He's a Nordic mm. skier through and through. And, and we just got into it. And I'm like, no, I'm, I'm showing him charts. I'm showing him evidence, yada, yada, yada. But so when you mentioned strength training and you mentioned, you know, like uh, basically like in road cycling, it would be like somebody makes a move and you have to, you have to cover the move. You have to like get on the wheel and cover that move or in trail right. running. Like, yeah, somebody makes a move and you got to cover the move. Um, so in, in the world of strength training, like what is that, what are you and coach doing uh, from a strength training perspective to prep, to cover those moves? Does that make sense? Right. Yeah. It's um, um, well, the gym sessions are, I mean, that's where it's tough for me, honestly, to like know, or, you know, I'm honestly never sure if uh, getting stronger in the gym translates to skiing stronger you know yeah. like yeah and i think that's always the challenge but um but i'm doing you know like i i did like april may june like base base training of lifting and then i'm going through a phase now where i'm doing uh lower reps more sets and just pushing heavier weight but then uh i think what what helps with those accelerations and hopefully helps translate the strength that's built in the gym to um actually skiing is instead of doing uh, speed sets that are only like 15 second accelerations i'm doing uh, some like gradual uphill like 10 by one minute type things like at least once a week mm -hmm. and um and this maybe like the gradual uphill like kind of makes me think a little bit of like how like uh prefontaine said he used to do stride outs in the sand mm -hmm. or up hills and he called it he said it was uh like speed training in disguise mm -hmm. so like like build that that power early in the summer and just get get comfortable pushing mm -hmm. and then and then uh yeah we'll we'll probably do faster stuff like later in september but yeah <laughs> that's at least what i'm kind of kind of going for yeah, you bring up a good question, though, is like, where does it transfer into sport? You know, I think you, yeah. you hit the nail on the head. You know, I was, I was chatting with uh, it Noah Hoffman or, mm -hmm. or chatting about he was he was like trying a lot of body weight stuff one one season and, and went up and went to the center of excellence and kind of took a peek at what he was doing. And yeah, I mean, I think you, you hit the nail on the head. It's like, where, where, where does the rubber hit the road? Like, because we want to go faster and cover those moves. Like, at the end of the day, yeah. we want to be able to cycle through, like, uh, when yeah. the going gets rough. Like, we want to be able to respond to those things. So, um, yeah. yeah. And and I honestly don't, because it's odd. Like, I, I crashed roller skiing in 2019 and um, sprained my AC joint. And so I basically didn't lift from, like, July through till next the following April but all that time that I usually would allot to lifting I was doing more aerobic stuff and then doing like a, like massive core workouts yeah so I was like well normally I'd lift for like 45 minutes I'll just do like core for 45 minutes and I honestly by the end of the year I was like man I'm, I might be double pulling better than I ever have <laughs> and it was and I was doing a, just a ton of core and I was like well yeah. so yeah. So then, so then I was like, ah, oh, like, I've, I don't know. Like, I don't think I've wasted time lifting, but you know, Round and then I, <laughs> and I, I do do a lot of uh, like plyometrics. Like I think the, those jumping exercises are 
like super good for having the maybe that like that durability like later in the race to be able to accelerate mm-hmm. under fatigue mm-hmm. and uh, what is what is a plyometric what would be like just front of mind like a snapshot plyometric workout i mean what does that look like like i'll do like two-footed jumps um like up a gradual hill like like a grass hill and and like trying to have my like when my feet hit you know like touch the grass and get off the grass as quick as possible and i'll do the like I'll do it like, like a speed skater motion and one foot jumps and two mm-hmm. foot and mm-hmm. like over hurdles or something if mm-hmm. I'm out of track. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So some explosive and, power. Yeah. All right. Enough about training. Thank you for entertaining yeah. my, my, uh, <laughs> you know, and it's you probably fun. understand I me. Mean, it sounds <laughs> like you've got a, a partner in crime who's in PT school. So, I mean, you, you, you go down these rather holes and it's, it is fascinating stuff. And I think the Nordic, the Nordic, uh, athletes, uh, do it best, frankly, I think, I think as far as like, uh, periodizing training and, and adding load and deloading, uh, you know, I think you guys are super on top of it. Um, a total, total 90 degree pivot, uh, uh, you know, you're, you're, you impress me for a couple of reasons, but, but what, what I really love is that you're, you know, an, a, clearly an elite level athlete and you're uh, uh, continuing to uh, level up your game athletically, but you also have earned a, a, a bachelor's in accounting and then went back and got a master's while you're pursuing sport. And you're also doing some volunteer work with, uh, I think it's the same organization that Matias is involved with there. What, what, um, mm-hmm. what is healthy futures all about? What do you, what, um, what's, what's going on there? It's, um, just, uh, like a nonprofit in Alaska. It's basically like they're just trying to get kids to be active every day you know, like move every day. And then we do hundred miles in May or, or April. And it's, uh, just trying to get like the community as a whole to be active every day as well. And, uh, it's pretty sweet. Cause it's like one of those nonprofits where Matias, you know, just kind of like send out a text and be like, Hey, who's up for running with some kids next Saturday, things like that. And so yeah. it's like, um, really you know, like when you're training a lot and busy, you know, you want to give back, but, uh, it's also like Matias makes it super convenient to do so. So it's like one of those perfect ways to, to participate, yeah. but also it's like, cause you know, he knows that we're training on Saturdays. So it'll be like, you know, like, well, well, let's do it here. You guys can do a run beforehand. And then, uh, like, you know, be the, uh, the rabbits for like the elementary school races and stuff yeah. like that. So it's pretty sweet. Like I'm, I'm stoked that, uh, someone like Matias is also leading it. So he's able to grab people, all yeah. the runners and skiers from town and get us to help out. So. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, uh, uh, and you said you grew, grew up in Fairbanks. Mm-hmm. You, do you do any, you do any youth outreach or, or, stuff up there as far as nordic uh nordic involvement well i did a few summers like well several summers ago i did a fairbanks youth running i kind of like tried to start a club 
and uh while well, I was I was training up there one summer and uh it didn't necessarily take off like I was hoping but I had some kids that came uh like every Tuesday and we'd go for a run together and uh that was pretty sweet and then I've when I'm back in town visiting family get to the ski with the local ski club there and uh yeah like the last time I I thought I was just showing up to be like a volunteer coach and they were having a time trial and the coach had told all the athletes that I was doing the time trial. Perfect. So I got roped into a time trial. <laughs> so they put the, put the pressure on me. Yeah. Um, so that was sweet. And there's, there's a good, like a way, like when I was growing up in Fairbanks, we didn't have a, a club team for like elite skiing until my ninth grade year of high school and so um like like skiers basically just like played soccer in the summers and did mountain biking and then you just kind of skied all winter but no no coach and uh like no structure to your training yeah and uh and then now there's like there's a two super legit like you know junior development and high school program so it's a pretty sweet scene yeah yeah, I think, uh, and, and this is, I mean, just, I don't know, I think it's relatively safe to say that you've probably inspired, you know, you talk about Matias in, in, a, in a meaningful way, because Matias is awesome, right? Like, he's, he's, he's kind mm-hmm. of, a, when I came up to do that article, it was like, oh, yeah, you have to talk to Matias, and man, it was open arms, like, I mean, literally, it was like, stay at my house up in, in Bear Valley with me, and Christian. Yeah. like, I mean, he was just like, all, like, arms wide open, and uh yeah, I think you've probably paved the way for more up and coming youth than you could possibly realize, which I think is, is, um, it's just awesome, man. So, I mean, hats off to you and I, and I really wish you all the best, uh, going forward. I think you're, you're, you're kind of the epitome of work ethic and talent and, and where the rubber hits the road. And I think it's really cool to see results meet that moment, uh, with running and then, you know, be all eyes on you for Nordic, but, um, man, I wish you all the best and I appreciate you sitting down with me. I'll, um, you know, I think a lot, and I put you in this camp, but, um, a lot of the people that represent our country for sport, um, uh, you know, they could use a, 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 a following and, and, and some support. And, and, you know, so I know you've got a blog and whatnot, and I'll put that in the show notes and uh, certainly a clip of Mount Marathon. So people can understand what the heck we're talking about. Uh, Cause it's awesome. <laughs> <Sweet>. <laughs> and uh, I just wish you all the best. And I, and I appreciate you sitting down to chat for a bit. Cool. Yeah, no, I appreciate it. It was fun. Yeah. Hammer on yeah. and uh, we'll see you out there. What's um what's on the horizon for you as far as uh, 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 training blocks or, or uh, when travel uh, for racing starts? Well, I got, uh, I'm going to do the Alieska Cirque race at the end of July. Excellent. Um, Raining rainy camp, right? You're, you're... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. And then, uh, yeah. So that'll probably be my like, last running race of the season and then uh actually have a training camp in park city possibly one in august coming up and then at least for sure one in october so holy smokes we, we can connect for a run or something oh my gosh <laughs> only if you go yeah. zone one only yeah. zone one yeah. only let's do it oh, oh yeah. my gosh yeah absolutely so, 
I was like, just as, as you were signing off, I was like, oh, well, maybe after the recording, we can I'd tell you I'm coming. So um, no, that's yeah, we, we can yeah, link up. Yeah, that would be good. And that'll be in uh, potentially two camps posted. Yeah, yeah. So at least in October camp, we're, our team's kind of pitching ideas of an August camp. Yeah. Um, just to get a little altitude boost. And then, uh, and then usually like around November 15th, I'll head to Finland for the opening world cup. Okay. Um, yeah. And then from there, uh, it'll be like a weekend in Norway or Finland, then Norway, then Switzerland. Those are the first three weeks of the season. And kind of depending on how those go, I'll either be staying in Europe or heading home to, train and try to do what I can to like, you know, salvage the season kind of, you know, <laughs> those, those first few weekends kind of decide a lot yeah. for, going forward. So yeah, yeah. Um, try to be in good form for those. Yeah. Well, I will not get in the way of your training when you come out, I uh, will do nothing but facilitate positive sessions. <laughs> uh, I will bring snacks. It will be awesome. Uh, I was like, I'll start <laughs> see you down the line uh man i'm so excited for you i think you're gonna crush it that the the, the head's in the right spot and uh man i just yeah i think you're gonna kill it so thanks so much for sitting down for a chat yeah absolutely thank you all right we'll see you soon yeah